and welcome to a special episode of We'll Never Be Royals Mates Rates. I'm LK and that's Rossi. Hey, mate. G'day. G'day. How's your shit? Life update from me. have finally finished all six seasons of Nashville and I have moved on to this other TV show that you may or may not have heard of. It's called The Golden Girls. Oh, Mate, iconic. <laughs> wow. Is this the first time you're going on that journey? I mean, I've seen the Golden Girls before, like little episodes, but I've, I'm going back to, you know, season one, ep one, to get all the Golden Girl goodness. What year was the Golden Girls, like when did they shoot the pilot? Oh, my God, with the questions. <laughs> I don't know. In the 80s. Wow. Are you learning anything about um, being a woman of the world or ageing or Florida or 80s? Um, All those things, but mainly about comic timing. Funny you say that because I've started rewatching AbFab. Yeah. Same thing, learning a lot about comic timing and now I don't think I can do anything without a laugh track. (laughs) Oh, we definitely have to edit one in now. Yeah, I'm going to say something that we'll have to edit out, but I, I, there was a lot of concern here when the pandemic first started because Betty White is so old. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so everybody's still a bit, like, a bit nervous to make jokes about Betty White or everybody's just being very respectful and very nervous about all things Betty White. Well, I have some big news, actually. Oh, go on then. Um, today is Prince Harry's birthday in America. Is it? Yeah, it fucking is. Oh, happy birthday, H. Happy birthday, H. And um, on the Royal News front, Wheels and Kate have been getting a bit of shade because they made a happy birthday message for him on either Twitter or Instagram, I can't remember, and added a picture that didn't include Megan and just included the two of them and Harry. And everyone's like, ooh. <laughs> of course. They, you know, they were such good mates before Megan came along. I know they were. She really did ruin everything, didn't she? Yeah. Who do you think's more fun to have sneaky mojitos with on a Friday night, Megan or Kate? Oh, that is a really good question. A year ago, I would have hands down said Kate, but I don't know. Megan, she's really, um, she's really surprising me of late. So maybe she's got some. I mean, you would, I would, if I had the choice, I would be Megan 100% because I'd be like, so spill the tea. <laughs> Why did you leave? And also I think Megan would be more helpful for your own social climbing aspirations, no? Oh, yeah, totally. Rates for mates, where we rate stuff for our mates. This is a mates rates and we are covering what I'm going to say is probably the second most iconic documentary ever endorsed by a royal. Second only to Diana's Martin Bashir interview in like 91 or some shit. Okay, okay. It's big. It's a big statement. We are covering Harry and Meghan, an African journey. So you you actually watched this when it came out, is that correct? Yeah, I watched it not long after it came out and then I re-watched it yesterday to to talk about it. Because you're a good student. 
Yeah. And I I have to admit, when I first watched it, I was like eye rolling the whole time and I, I found it quite exhausting and I was really over because for me, Megan's very whingy in the whole documentary and I was just like, oh, and I even like halfway through um, just started scrolling on my Facebook feed and I was looking up this that I used to fancy because he had a really similar accent to Harry and I was like, oh, I wonder what he's up to now. Like that's how unengaged I was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just got the best visual. <laughs> um, and so since you've had your Megan turnaround, the great Megan turnaround mm-hmm. in 2020, um, mm-hmm. Did you enjoy it more this time? Um, look, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I I had a different perspective about how she was feeling, but I still was like, this is, is such a bad look for you. Like you just sound so whingy. Hang on, let me get my note. What did I say? It's just really hard to find sympathy for her when she has everything she's ever wanted and she leads this super privileged, meaningful life. It's It's very difficult to be like, oh. So sorry. Yeah, I have a slightly contradictory take on that, actually. But I want to run through the nuts and bolts first, if you don't mind. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm getting ahead. That's you're the you're the um the master. (laughs) So for those not familiar, this is the documentary that was released in October of 2019, um, where Harry and Meghan went to Africa. And it's the first time that Harry said, yes, the rumours about a rift between William William and I are true. That's what it's known for. If I may read you the synopsis briefly. Oh, go, please. Thank you. I'm kind. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle take a trip to Africa to oversee the charity he started 15 years ago. He has the chance to walk in Diana's footsteps, meet Desmond Tutu, and see how he has improved the lives of the villagers. Quick question for you that I'm not sure you're going to know the answer to, actually. I was always under the impression that when the royals do a doc, it's always with the BBC, but this was with ITV. How does that work? Oh, um, I think probably just the journalist Tom you know, works for a different network now. Well, I was just going to say this Tom bloke is like a heavy feature. Well, I mean, he's the, he has the relationship with Harry. He did that first documentary with Harry 15 years ago when he did his gap year in Africa. So that documentary wouldn't have happened unless Tom had that relationship with Harry. I really hope the um, cameraman, I hope his name is Dick, because then it would be Tom, Dick and Harry. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Oh, no, no. Okay, so my notes on the intro, if I may. Um, they spoil all the good stuff in the first 90 seconds. Like in their intro, you get all the juice, correct? Oh, yeah. And then and then you have to wait till the very end to get the, the Megan interview, which is pretty juicy. Yeah, that's true. But you like, you get the gist. Like you hear her say at the beginning, he asks like, how are you? And she says, thank you for asking because not many people have asked me that. And you so immediately you're like, oh, shit. Also, the this Tom bloke talks like he's hosting Survivor. Like everything <laughs> is dramatic and there's fucking lions and tigers and bongo drums everywhere and it's just like, guys, we get that we're in Africa. They're like, calm the fuck down. Did you feel that? Uh, when I rewatched it, I kind of noticed the opening is just, it's so typical of every British documentary ever made. Like that's exactly how they all start with that 
voiceover and like setting the scene in kind of uh, you know traumatic way. It's they're all like that. But it was just it was rubbish. Utter <laughs> shit. And they're banging on about you know Africa and it's got so many challenges and you know there's so much history here and but they don't actually tell you what happened. They're just like, oh yeah, it's it's really hard here, and it's like, well, tell me why though. Tell me. They don't have time for that. They need to promote Harry, you know, big noting himself, and then dive into the the rift that is in the royal family. This is what we're really here for. Well, okay, so I'm just gonna say up top my ultimate issue with this whole thing is in the first half when they were like, oh, we're we're doing an appearance at this like in this. I don't know what the PC term for like slum is, but it was a slum. It's like, you know, make houses and kids with no shoes and stuff. They're like, we're going to do an appearance here. And, you know, it's one of our first official tours together. And we're doing things differently because we know that people are interested in us. And so we're using our profile to highlight these other things. And I was with them. I was like, cool, look, they are doing things differently. Isn't that amazing? And then in the second half, you're just asked to suddenly forget all that and care about Harry and Meghan's mental health. And it's it just felt cheap. It's like it felt disrespectful to the charities in Africa that they're actually working on. Because I can tell you that Harry went to Malawi, but I don't know what the fuck he did there because I just know that all they talked about there was his mental health. <laughs> wow. You go now. Wow. Um, I, I, I concur, but, um, they need some reason to, to, to follow Harry and Meg around. So that's the reason. But it would have been less offensive if they had have gone to like, they could have gone fucking like, they could have gone to Melbourne and watched the tennis and pretended like they were promoting the tourism board of Victoria or something that would have fitted, but got it felt like I've forgotten all about the the amount of trees the Queen's planted in Angora or whatever the fuck. Like it just felt like they made this big point of like it's really important that we're here and it's really important that people pay attention. And then they're like, oh, but forget about that because I have feelings. Yeah, agree. I agree with you. That it did it did kind of take away from that. And then I also at the very beginning when they're first in Cape Town, they mention the charity that they support is the Justice Trust. And that <laughs> it's bankrolled by the Queen's Trust and everything that they do in this whole documentary is supported by the Queen's Trust. But they like, Tom says that at the start of the documentary, like under his breath, like really quickly under his breath and then moves on. Yeah, and so what's who's working on all those things now? Exactly. That's what gives me the shits. Like don't come here with your bloody privilege and then be like, oh, I want to do, you know, how can you not help these people? And then two months later be like, oh, I'm out out of the royal family. Those orphans in Africa can fucking sort themselves out. I need to go to LA to make some money. Because they can't do that kind of charity work now because, A, they have to work, and, B, the Queen's not bankrolling it. Look, it probably was a big conversation that they had between Harry and Meghan, but how do you justif- justify that? Like, I get that you need to put yourself first, but, like... Do you need to put yourself first if you're in the royal family, though? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. The, the royal family is bigger than you if you're part of it. It's not just about you. Yeah, that's what Biz understands. She gets it. And that's not... Harry and old mate David and Wallace, they yeah. don't get it. 
It had been a while since I'd seen Harry, like, not with studio lighting, and he looks a lot older than I would expect and a lot like William and Charles, like a lot. Oh, stop Stop trying to pretend that he's a real royal. He's not. He doesn't, he doesn't look... He might look like William a tiny bit because they have the same mother. He doesn't look nothing like Charles, absolutely nothing. I don't know, man. That balding, their their hair is balding in exactly the same way. All men bald like that. <laughs> There's only two places you bald, at the front receding or in your bloody crown of your head. That's it. We're asking you bald. <laughs> you don't bald from your beard up. I do like because Harry goes to Angola where the landmines are and that's that infamous, infamous, is that the right word, Um, image of Diana. She went there in 1997 and there was, uh, Diana was accused of being too political when she took that trip um, because that was, you know, aligning with Labor policy and, I even did a little bit of research and there was a, in 1997, there was a election in Britain and it moved from uh, the Tories to Labor. That's when Tony Blair came in. Oh. Yeah. So that was, I think that was the main controversy about Diana doing that. But um, when Harry goes back in 2019, he speaks to the people that were, that were there with Diana and there was also a young girl who sat on Diana's knee and now this woman, Sandra, her name is, she's got five kids and she named one of them Diana and they also renamed the hospital after Princess Diana. That, I wanted this documentary to be all that. Right? That was, it was, an, it was a good moment. It was so beautiful and they even showed him like they showed footage of her walking down the street and it's like just a bunch of landmines and grass and then they showed him walking down the same street at exactly the same angle and there was all buildings and shit and things were happening and there were no landmines. It was cool. But then it turned to shit. Yeah, then they um, after that they go to Mawali, which they say is the fourth poorest country in the world and um, Megan and Harry just like dancing in the street. Yeah, yeah, and like they don't do anything there and then this Tom guy is like, oh, let's talk about mental health and then it's just like, what are we watching? <laughs> but I did find it interesting. A few things Harry said, he said they were talking about how stressful the tours can be and Harry was like, yeah, we have to pack so much in because we're spending taxpayer money and it has to be justified. I thought that was, yeah. you know, I I just didn't imagine that Harry himself would think about such things, but he did. Yeah, but also um, Megan, like, goes on the whole tour, but she doesn't go for, like, three of the trips. So she just hangs out in, I assume, Cape Town for four days on the taxpayer dime while she's not working. Yeah, good call. <laughs> I can call. I don't know. It seems like a holiday to me. <laughs> <laughs> it did look pretty lush on those beaches. I think my favourite scene was Desmond Tutu meeting Archie because say what you want about his name, but Archie is fucking adorable. He's he's pretty cute kid. He's the cutest. And he looks he looks like an appropriate mix of both of them. You know how sometimes when hot people have a kid, it's like, oh, what happened? But that kid is like appropriately hot. And then the other thing Harry said, and this might be my conspiracy theorist mind, but I read this 
as Harry thinks that the press actually like physically murdered Diana because he says, if anyone knew what I do, they do exactly the same thing as I am doing, which just something about the wording of that. It was like, whether it's true or not, he thinks he knows things that the general public don't know and that is altering his behaviour. I don't know. Am I reading too much into that? Um, no, I don't, uh, no, I think that's valid. I think he probably does know stuff that people don't know. Yeah, what do you think he knows? Oh, he just, well, also it's all about context. Like he would have all this information over all these years like little bits of information and he's like adding them all up and using his life experience to make decisions. Let's talk about Megan for a sec because I, in the first half, I was like, oh, my God, she's like a perfect robot that is perfectly nuanced to every situation and she seemed to be doing the right things and she was like hugging and giggling in all the right places and she was just kind of had this like effortlessness about her and I was like wow she's really really good at this and then in the second really is that what you think because when I when I see her behave like that I think oh my god you're such an actress I find her really disingenuous like when she when Archie's asleep and Harry's carrying him and they like walk down the stairs and out of the building and she's like got her hand on Harry's back and she's like looking at Archie she just there's something that irks me about her behaviour and her body language there that just I think she's just full of shit. Interesting. So you think she's a bad robot? Because I read it as she's, well, I guess uh, now I'm confused because I did write down the word robot, which implies non-organic. <laughs> yeah, I think she knows how she has to behave and, and how to get a good or a, a seemingly good reaction from the public with what she does and says and reacts to, but uh, I just feel like she's, it's not coming from a genuine place for her. It's just all bullshit. Mm, mm. And then in the second half, all the whether the facade drops or just the seams come loose, she does turn into Wendy Winderson, which <laughs> she does. She does. And I feel like Tom kind of saves her in the end. Like he saves her many times throughout the interview, offers her suggestions of how she might be feeling or how she might say, and then kind of at the end she gets a little bit awkward and he's like, okay, thanks very much. You know, you're probably very tired. Like I think I've got everything out of you I can. Yeah, he was very, um, he was very willing to lead the witness. (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) which uh good on him (laughs) I know and you can tell that she's she is thinking oh shit how should I answer this is this the right thing to say is this gonna be taken out of context do I trust you Tom yeah which is why I mean I was thinking about whether we would recommend that people watch this and ultimately I would say no because it, it's it's so dated now that we know everything about it is a farce because they left. Yeah, exactly. But even at the time, the only good thing to watch is the Megan interview, which they edited and aired like every day on the news for about a month. That's the only good thing to watch. Yeah. Even um, now I'm just being a little bit bitchy and I don't want to offend any of the local designers because I'm sure she was wearing local fashion but like the fashion choices like we get it Megan you can wear a shirt dress let's move on 
You know, I just thought it was so boring. <laughs> you? Yeah, I also think she was trying to like cover herself up, her, you know, because she's still carrying a bit of baby weight and she probably felt a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, but mate, the truly iconic thing to do if you're a little bit uncomfortable with your bod is like get a zebra print moo or something. Like really own it. Because she just she just looked bored. Like the worst thing a royal can look is boring. That's not what I'm paying you for, buddy. So put on some sequins and let's get it done. And she was yeah right. Wedges and the it felt like the same fucking dress in different colors. Honestly, it was. There's a blue one and there's a white one. She wore the same dress and then the pattern dress. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> those wrap dresses are basically the same. One has a cap sleeve. I think it's the same designer. I'm so personally offended by that. I know. And, like, at least Kate knows how to accessorise. Like, she would give us a hat and a piece of jewellery, but Megan's just always like, I'm wearing this dress and these basic bitch shoes. Yeah. Like, I get that it's hot. Put on a wide brim hat and rock it, bitch. Like, let's go. (laughs) Also, I don't know, maybe we need to edit this bit out, but in the very last interview when she's talking to Tom, She's got this black dot on her eyelid. Do you think it's mascara or a birthmark? Let's see if it's a birthmark. I think if it was a birthmark, we would have noticed it before. I know. And that's what I keep thinking. I don't think it's a birthmark. I think it's mascara. But also, like, why wouldn't someone be like, oh, hey, mate, you've got mascara on your eyelid. We probably need to get that off before you continue this really um, compelling interview. Or maybe it was all a ploy. To make her like, to make her look like a hot mess. Yes. Yeah. At the end, where they talk about how on the tour, Megan decided to sue a newspaper. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That yet? That was because they published the letter to her dad, right? That's what that was about. Yeah, that's that one. That's um. Yeah, they published the letter to her dad and then remember that came up also before the Finding Freedom book was released? Yeah, that's right. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, if you if you think about it in that context, it's like this is when everything is just starting to boil over was exactly when they were in South Africa doing that documentary. It's all happening there. Probably on the home on the plane home, Harry like emails his website developer to be like we need to we need to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you find a graphic designer from Fiverr? <laughs> yeah, I want photos of us walking through leaves. Make that happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fiverr. <laughs> Jesus. I think that's all I have to say. Don't watch it, but thanks for listening to us talk about it. And um, I don't know, what else you got? Yeah, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Maybe if you feel compelled, go to YouTube and get a highlight reel. But sorry, Tom, I don't think this is, you know, going to make it into your greatest hits album. Happy birthday, Harry. Thanks for listening. See you all of a sudden. Bye. (laughs) G'day, LK. Hey, girl. How are you travelling? I'm a bit bored in ISO. I'm thinking of shaving off my eyebrows and starting again. Same. Except I have really good eyebrows. You know what we should do? 
what, mate? We should both shave our eyebrows and see whose will grow back the quickest. What a ripper idea. But we've already got our hands full with the pod, the Facebook, the Instagram, and the website, alkaneandrossi.com. Yeah, okay. How about we start a new social media platform of our very own? We'll call it Rossigram. Righto, mate. Let's whack it on the Trello board. Actually, I've got to go shave my eyebrows. See you all of a sudden.